sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports. With the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Before I begin my podcast, I must say, special dedications, a birthday gal, to the wonderful, to the beautiful, to the fabulous, to the awesome, to the intelligent, and yes, still single for those who are making over seven figures the single and beautiful and wonderful and intelligent and awesome and fabulous Sydney Davis my goddaughter my I'm your number one fan love you much always will happy birthday enjoy yourself I hope you had a fabulous birthday just want to throw that out there before we start going to Wendell's world in sports I'm your host Wendell Wallace so glad that you could be with us you know, every podcast that I start with, I got to go with good morning, good abend, bonjour, bonsoir, que pasa, shalom, namaste, konnichiwa, all that good stuff. Got to spend my, got to throw out my special dedication. So, Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of great things to discuss and get down on today in the world of sports. Anywhere where you're listening to this podcast, if you could do me a favor, Amazon iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, wherever. If you could go ahead and download, subscribe, rate, review. Most importantly, though, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast. If you could do that, um, that would be absolutely, positively fabulous. Wendell's World of Sports. Getting into what's going on in the world of football. How many days now? I'm recording this on uh, August 14th. Um, Which... What are we talking about here? How many more days do we have left before college football starts? How many days before the NFL starts? Because I do this on every podcast for every year that the college football and NFL season is right around the corner. Because we're getting giddy, aren't we? Aren't you getting giddy? You're getting a little bit excited. Dog days. It's been a brutal slumber. Wherever that you're living here in the racist, ignorant, divided states of America where it's been hot, hot, hotter, and hotter as this world continues to crumble because of the lack of knowledge concerning climate change. But that's another topic for another day. But man, you know, it's been a situation where this summer, especially in July, when it gets to these ridiculous you know, temperatures, it's almost like, man, the summer just seems to go a little bit longer than usual. And yes, you know, now we're heading into August and it's still the dog days. You got Team USA getting ready for FIBA. But for the most part, the Major League Baseball season, okay, you're still chugging along. But this is this is the last couple of weeks. I think that we've got one more Saturday left before college football, before the college football season starts. And I think that we have about three more Sundays left before the start of the NFL season. I know the NFL starts on Thursday, but in earnest, uh, week one of the NFL season starts 
It starts on uh, Sunday, uh, September the 10th. So I think we have about three more Sundays left to go. So here's what I need for you to do. All of those who are married, all of those who have kids, all of those who want to have that time freed up and watch college football and NFL football guilt-free. You know, here's what you need to do. I want you to go out and with your husband, with your wife, with your kids. It's time now with your mother, with your father, with your sons and your daughters. Now it's time to go out and do all the things. Make sure that you got all the honeydew lists taken care of. If you're going to be going on vacation, do it now. If you're going to be spending extra time with the kids, do it now. If you're going to be doing anything concerning your family members, do it now. Because you want to have that cushion. You want to have that platform. You want to have that foundation. You want to be ready. When it comes to Saturdays and Sundays, if you're a football maniac and a freak like I am, who's going to sit there on Saturdays all day, who's going to sit there on Sundays all day and watch uh, college and pro football, you don't want to have any distractions. You don't want to have any type of obstacles being thrown in your way to be able to watch those games. So you want to take care of all of that stuff right now. So if your husband starts whining and complaining that you don't spend enough time with him, uh, with time with you, if your wife starts complaining about you need to take care of this around the house and you need to do this, or if Junior needs to start uh, talking about, hey, I got a soccer game I want you to take me to and all that nonsense, get that stuff out of the way right now you want to play toss you want to play frisbee you want to go out and shoot some hoops you want to go out and go for a walk with your family members all that good stuff do it now do it now because that way when you do it now what you want to do you want to spend as of right now when there's nothing going on in the world of sports you want to spend so much time with your loved ones right now that they're just begging just they're just they're, just, they're going to be more they're going to be more anticipating the start of the regular season in college and pro football than you are. Not because they're going to be watching the games. Not because they're just as passionate as you are. They're going to be wanting and yearning and hoping and praying for the college and pro football season to start so they can get away from you. My husband just won't leave me alone. My wife just won't leave me alone. Man. When does this college football season starts? No, I don't want to spend any more time with you. No, I don't want to be hanging around with the kids with you no more. No, I don't want you to be spending all my time. When did the college football season start? When did the NFL season start? So when you start watching college football on Saturday, when you start watching pro football on Sunday, and then your wife comes to you and say, could you do this? You don't hang out with me, blah, blah, blah. Or your husband like, well, you know, you had junior misses you and you watch so much football and you don't care about our children and blah, blah, blah. You can always go back to say, do you want me to go back and smother you with attention and all that kind of stuff like we did three or four weeks ago? Oh, no, 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 you're good, you're good. Go ahead, keep watching Notre Dame. Go ahead and keep watching Alabama. Go ahead and keep watching the Red Zone. Go ahead and keep watching the um, the, uh, the, uh, the football channel. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No bad. My bad. No, no, no. Yeah, but, you know, I can go ahead and, and smother you all over again like we did back in uh, early August. No, 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 no. You drove me nuts then, so no, no, no. No, no, yeah, that's right. So take the kids and get out of my face. So there you go. Beautiful if you're a father. Father, dads, sons, young kids. Hey, man, perfect opportunity right now. You know, the, the, the situation where it's like, if you got young kids, and look, I'm talking from, you know, I'm talking from perspective of a guy who ain't going to have kids, who, uh, who uh, you know, ain't married. So, you know, take my advice with a grain of salt here, right? If you're going to listen to Dr. Phil Fuckett, you might as well listen to me. So here we go. So, Here's what I'm saying, man. And this comes from what my dad did. When I was young, 8, 9, 10, 12, 
you know, years old, you know, when I was still in elementary school and stuff, my foundation was set. My love of sports were set. My love for the NFL and college football were set. Watching football and watching sports with my dad. And for me, that's the most dad, dad thing you can do. That's the most manly turning your son into a man, building that foundation, starting to put those pieces in place for him to be a real man. It's a situation where it's like, look, on Sundays, it's got to be a situation where you're sitting down with me or we're going to be watching some football. We're going to be watching some football. And I'm just saying in today's day and age, look, man, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it back in my day. Let's go with the back of my day. Back in my day when I was in elementary school going to Belpre Elementary there in Silver Spring, Maryland. Back in my day when I was watching um, college football and the NFL with my dad. Man, we were watching it on a TV that wasn't HD. We were watching it that didn't have any type of cable. There wasn't any cable. There wasn't any type of internet. Man, there wasn't even a remote control. Man, you turned on the NFL on CBS, which was Channel 9 back in um, back in D.C. In the, in the DMV. You'd watch those games. We'd watch then the Washington, what they call Redskins play. And, you know, we'd watch the NFL today with Irv Cross and Jimmy the Greek and Brent Musburger and uh, whew, Leslie Visser, I think that was her name. So we'd watch them and go ahead and watch football. And, you know, when I was growing up on the East Coast, the game started at 1 o'clock. So my mom would drag my ass to church down the Holy Comforter in Northwest D.C., Holy Comforter Episcopalian Church, and I couldn't be waiting to uh, get the hell out of there so I can go on back and watch football with my dad. My mom took my took myself down the church, down in the district, but my dad was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Y'all go down there, have a good time. I was like, man, I don't want to go to church, man. When I was, when it came Sunday and I would wake up and I would look at the time and it would be like, oh man, in 10 minutes, Please don't have a, you know, you hear your mom up, then you know, the gospel music will be playing in the background and she would be getting ready for church and doing all this kind of stuff and your door would be closed and you're sitting there going, oh, please, please don't go knock on my door. Please don't come knock on my door. Please pretend that uh, I'm still asleep. Please leave me alone. Don't go knocking on my door. But yet and still, man, when eight o'clock in the morning on Sunday, every Sunday when I was young, every time, man, you'd hear that. When? When? Get up! Time for church! Let's go! Get up! You'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to go to church. Dad would be sitting there saying, have a nice time at church. Ooh, but uh, all that good stuff, all those memories. So I would get back home real quick. We'd go and I'd change my church clothes, get out of my church clothes, get out of my dress clothes, get into my watching NFL clothes, join my dad on the sofa, and we watch NFL football, man. we watch NFL football at 1, we watch NFL football at 4. Back in those days, they didn't have the Sunday night football game. And back in those days, again, they didn't have the Red Zone channel. And back in those days, you couldn't get Dish TV where you could watch all the games. We watched the Washington Redskins play back in the day. So that was my memories growing up, you know, watching uh, watching the, the Redskins following the Minnesota Vikings with Fran Tarkington and Chuck Foreman and Jim Marshall and Carl Ellard and those guys. So... Watching those football games with my dad and the same thing on Saturday. In fact, uh, you know, we uh, actually went out, couldn't get games to watch. You couldn't go watch the uh, Redskins play at the time because, you know, going to RFK, they were always sold out. So my dad couldn't take me to those games. But, uh, you know, for college football, I went to see Bobby Ross in Maryland play down at uh, College Park. I went to see uh, Howard University play down in the uh, district when they were doing their thing. So 
it was a foundation of love of sports, which of course gave that strong connection to my dad, the love for my dad, because we would do these things together in terms of watching football. My main thing is for all of this is to say, as I'm, you know, feeling good walking down memory lane, just to bring it back now to the uh, year 2023, August 14th, 2023. My main deal for you fathers is this, man. Bring, Have your son, don't you want your son to have those same type of memories? Because just speaking about this right now, for a guy who's 54 years old, I still get a warm feeling. In fact, I'm getting a little bit emotional that my dad is no longer with me, so we can no longer share those moments. The fact that I never became a father, I missed out on the opportunity to share those um, to, to, to share those memories, to share those building block moments with a son that I never had. So, hey man, for those who are fortunate enough to have sons and you're a father, come on, man, let's go. And hell, we're, we're, we're living in the uh, year 2023. It doesn't have to be just what your sons have your daughter sit there and love the game of football. Why not? There we go. Have the, it, memories, strong building relationship type of things. I'm sorry, man. You know, you ain't too much of a father in my eyes. And again, this is coming from a guy who doesn't have any kids. So take what I say with a grain of salt. So, but, but, but to me, if you have a son, if you're a father and you have a son in this country and you don't acclimate him to love the game of football, or if you even don't introduce that tradition of watching college and pro football, and I'm not sitting there saying you have to have your son Excuse me, you have to have your son sit in front of the television from morning, noon, and night to watch these games. I'm not saying that, but if you don't at least introduce, if you don't at least introduce the game of football to your son, hell, what are you doing as a father, in my opinion? What are you doing as a father? Yeah, go out and hang with your mother in the kitchen. I'm going to go here and watch football. What? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go outside and go on the internet and, yeah, you know, get on your TikTok and do your Insta- Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just going to sit here and watch football. What? I'm going to go to the bar and hang out with my friends and watch football while my kids are at home not having the opportunity to watch football with me. What? I'm going to hang out with a bunch of uh, ankle, of, of hard ankles, you know, watching football at a bar when I'm neglecting. That's, that's child abuse, man. I'm sorry. That's child abuse. At least introduce the game to your kid. And if he decides that he doesn't want to uh, follow in those footsteps, okay, we'll find another way to bond. But at least put it out there for the man. I'm sorry, if I was a father, that's mandatory. That's not up for discussion. That's not up for debate. That's not up, That's not negotiable. Well, my son, if I had a son, Marcus, little Marcus, if I had Marcus, that was going to be the name of my son if I had one. But if, but if my son would be sitting there watching college football, would be watching pro football. I'm sorry, that's that's just the way it is. And eventually, if he didn't like it, then he could go ahead and go on to something else. But he's watching college football. I'm introducing him to pro football. That's for doggone sure. We're going to have them memories. So at least I'm going to try to attempt to have the same memories put in him as my father did with me. Tradition, a Wallace tradition, which again, I broke when I decided that kids weren't for being. I was in the Clark County School District for 17 years. So, you know, for the most part, I dealt with kids almost every single day. So I know what that's all about. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So let me go ahead and get into this in terms of what we need to do to start talking about the NFL season. I want you to take these preseason games. I want you to take them off. 
I don't want you to watch any preseason games. I know that you're yearning. I know that you're itching. I know that you're twitching. I know that you want to go ahead and watch these games. But no, don't watch the preseason games. Don't worry about what Trey Lance is going to be doing. Don't worry about when Aaron Rodgers is going to get the opportunity to go under center for the New York Jets. Don't worry about Russell Wilson the way that he looks. Don't worry about my Washington Commanders and Eric Bieniemy with the new offense and the new quarterback. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Don't worry about the rookie quarterbacks. Don't worry about the fact week one of the uh, preseason, the fact that uh, Anthony Richardson was up and down going 7 for 12 for what, 67 yards through an interception. Don't worry about Bryce Young going 4 for 6 for 21 yards even though you might be a little bit concerned the fact that every time that he went back to pass, he was getting hammered against the New York Jets. But for the most part, don't be judging C.J. Stroud, who only played two series and went four, two for four for 13 yards and in an interception. Don't worry about that. These guys played, what, one or two series, three series at the very most? Don't worry about that. Don't, 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 don't buy into anything that's going on with the preseason if you're a fan of the Kansas City football team if you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers if you're a fan of the Minnesota Vikings if you're a fan of the Las Vegas Raiders if you're a fan of the Washington Commanders if you're a fan of the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins or the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals don't worry about any of that man be a football fan even for the first four weeks, four to six weeks of the season. Be a fan. San Francisco 49ers, be a fan. Don't worry about wins or losses. Don't be sitting up there if one of these two teams or one of the teams, or even if your team, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, if they start off the season going 0-2, 1-3, 2-4, if you're a fan of the New Orleans Saints, if you're a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if you're a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you're a fan of the Tennessee Titans, be a fan. Don't worry about it. Don't be sitting there talking about, oh my goodness gracious, this quarterback needs to be benched, this coach needs to be fired, this offensive coordinator needs to have his duties taken away, the offensive guard needs to be replaced, our defense sucks and is terrible. None of that. All the analysis. Don't worry about all of that stuff when it talks about the full picture of the season. Don't worry about that. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, Russell Wilson had an average game, the opening game of the season. He's done. He's washed up. He's never going to get it back. This is not going to work. This, that, and the other. What are we going to do? We might as well go ahead and try to find ourselves another quarterback. Can we trade Russell Wilson at the end of the season? The Broncos are going to be bad on offense again. They're going to miss the... Don't do any of that stuff, man. It's only week one. And then next week, if it happens again, it's only week two. Oh my goodness, Brock Purdy doesn't, you know, Brock Purdy is not as efficient. He's not as effective he, as he was when he was, when he came in and led the 49ers to the NFC Championship. Oh my goodness gracious, and we got Trey Lance who can't do anything. Oh, I told you that he was a bust already. Don't go there. Enjoy. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the fact. I want you to focus. I want you to concentrate more on the fact that the season has started. Hey, how about that? The season started. We've got football on Sundays. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic? Concentrate on concentrate on that. Oh my goodness. We gave Daniel Jones all that money, and through week three, he's thrown five touchdowns and three interceptions, and the Giants right now are two and three. Oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know, you know every single year 
that the regular season in terms of playoffs and all that kind of stuff, the stuff that we should be concerned about for about 80% of the teams, the season really doesn't get into that mode until at least near the end of, uh, probably the middle of November. Somewhere around Thanksgiving or a little bit before Thanksgiving. That's when you need to start panicking if you have a, if you're a fan of a team that had high expectations. You know, those are the times that you need to, maybe not even panic, but be concerned. Because we've seen teams going into the last few weeks of the season that we never thought would do anything, that we, never would, that, that we wouldn't think would make the playoffs, win the doggone Super Bowl. You take a look at all of those, go YouTube America's Games, right, where it talks about the season of the team that won the NFL championship, that won the Super Bowl, and they'll have players from that team from that year talking about that. And every single season, every single time, with the, with the exception of the 1972 um, Miami Dolphins, every single team went through some type of adversity. From the 1966 Green Bay Packers all the way up to the 2023 Kansas City football team. Every single team during the season had trials and tribulations and it seemed bleak and it didn't seem that they would get anywhere and they had to have team meetings and teams were concerned and players were concerned and what we're going to do about the quarterback and do we have faith in the coach and what's going to go around and all that stuff. And that's what makes football so fantastic. It might not be 162 games. It might not be 82 games like the NBA and the NHL, but I'm telling you, man, when you speak about building stories, when you're speaking about plots, when you think about uh, twists and terms, w- uh, turns, when you speak about, hold on, I got I to gotta sneeze for a second. Okay, I'm fine. When you speak about, um, when, when you speak about marathon sprint and all that kind of stuff, baseball might be 162 games. The NHL and the NBA might be 82 games. And they're physically taxing. But I'm telling you right now, mentally, physically, nothing is more taxing. Nothing is more um, challenging, both from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint than a 17-game NFL season, not to even account the teams that are going to go on farther than that to uh, go into the playoffs and win themselves a championship. It's the most grueling, physical, challenging type of sport that you can play. So there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bad games. There's going to be all of that type of stuff. I want you to concentrate on the fact that just enjoy the season. You could be the biggest season ticket holder, Oakland, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders, um, Los Angeles Chargers, Rams. You could, you could, you could be the biggest fan and the season ticket holder and having all their gear and all that kind of stuff. The only people who should be taking this on a day-to-day basis in terms of or a week-to-week basis starting from week one are those in fantasy leagues and those who bet. From a week-to-week thing, that's where you talk about week one, week two. You're looking for trends. You're looking for this. You're looking for that because you're putting money on it. Now you have a financial investment every single week in these teams. Other than that, if you're not betting, if there's no financial stakes, first four or six weeks, enjoy. Just enjoy the season and then start from there. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. I, I want to end by talking about this. Ron Rivera, the coach of my Washington Commanders, he made it just a little bit more challenging for black coaches to uh, get opportunities to become black NFL head co- or become NFL head coaches. And I'll tell you why. 
Um, he said some stuff on the record that he shouldn't have said about Eric Bieniemy, um, early damage control, um, about his coaching style. Um, and I mentioned before, without knowledge, without knowing, because I don't think Rivera did this on purpose. And I don't think also there are some situations where Rivera might have said this because, you know, he's in a situation where he's been there three or four or five years and he really hasn't gotten to where the Washington commanders need to be. And now with this new ownership group coming in, uh, they're not married to the general manager. They're not married to the president of football operations and they're definitely not married to the head coach. So this is kind of a prove-it year for Ron Rivera. So there were some um, people that I was listening to. There were some podcasts around the D.C. metropolitan area, the DMV, as I shall say, were speaking about the, one of the reasons why Rivera threw Eric Bieniemy under the bus with some of the comments that he made and brought this to light is because there is speculation that Bieniemy is kind of auditioning to get that Washington head coaching job just in case Ron Rivera fails. So Ron Rivera is already putting plants or putting seeds into the brains of those making that decision that if you fire me, you better not hire Eric Bieniemy because that would be like, you know, no bueno. So, you know, he's building a foundation to save his job or preventing Bieniemy from getting his opportunity. So this past Tuesday... Rivera said uh, some of his players expressed concern over new offensive coordinator Bieniemy's intensity during practice. He said that some of the players were a little concerned with how hard Bieniemy was riding them, and what he said was there were a little bit they they were a little bit concerned. I've said just go talk to him, understand what he's trying to get across to you. It's a whole different approach. You're getting a different kind of player from the players back in the past, especially in the light of how things are coming out of college football. Now, here's where he kind of got himself in trouble. He said, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change because he believes in it. Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio had his approach. Having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try to figure out guys a little bit more as opposed to this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff. Where Eric hasn't had that experience yet. So so, so basically, what he's doing is that he's laying down another excuse for owners not to hire black um, qualified uh, coaches who are now wanting to make that move, who want to be elevated to become head coaches. Because according to the league, some of the excuses teams use as to why um, black or minority head coaches um, are, are, are passed over when they're being interviewed or considered for head coaching jobs. You got the, well, he, he's never called plays. Uh, well, he's, uh, you know, he, he's never been an offensive coordinator. Remember that time? There was a time where, um, you know, Sean McVay, anybody on offense that was associated with Sean McVay, who worked under Sean McVay, the Los Angeles Rams head coach, who worked under him as um, a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator or whatever, that they would be getting jobs. So you had that tree. And it was a situation where, yeah, you know, with the NFL moving towards a more um, emphasis on offense and how much, you know, how valuable the NFL quarterback is, we want to have a head coach that has experience uh, working with these quarterbacks who have experience, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. And that always came down to the quote-unquote white guys because most of the qualified black 
uh, coordinators were all on defense. So because of that, that was one of the reasons where it was like, no, 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 we're not racist. No, it's not a situation where we don't want to hire black coordinators or qualify black men to become head coaches. We're just looking more toward uh, the offense. We're looking more toward the way the game that's the way the game's going. And bet you my golly, wow, it just so happens that all of these guys or most of these guys or almost all of these guys are white. So, you know, you had you had that situation. Um, people were coming out, according to the league, talking about uh, too many friends listed as potential coaching staff, uh, no previous game clock management, unsure of their ability to motivate veteran players. They didn't interview well. I remember Tony Dungy um, didn't get a job for years until he got the job with uh, Tampa Bay because when he was being interviewed, when he was the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, he would always tell the owners, hey, look, man, if you expect me to uh, do this job seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and sleep in the office and and have no life whatsoever, Uh, you're looking at the wrong guy. Because I'm a man of faith, there's some things that I want to do in the community, and I'm not going to dedicate every single waking hour, minute, second devoted to football. And that was um, um, owner's excuses not to hire Tony Dungy. Well, where's Tony Dungy right now when everything is all said and done with his football career? Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. Seems like his methods worked out pretty well, right? So they didn't interview well. That's one of the enemy's uh, reasons. That's one of the reasons why um, Eric Bieniemy, they say, hadn't gotten a job yet because he doesn't quote unquote interview well. They lack the necessary experience to lead. They don't look the part, aka they're not white. Seems nervous throughout the interview process. Job is different than what it was previously. All all of these things, all of these things, and and more are all obstacles that are put in front of black head coaches, minority head coaches, on why these guys can't get hired. And in a league overwhelmingly black, then some of these guys who are making... A lot of these guys, like a Byron Leftwich, a lot of these guys who are transitioning from playing football, from playing the quarterback position, from playing an offensive skill position to become a coordinator, they still cannot get jobs while you have these unproven white guys continuing to uh, have better opportunities to get jobs. So there, there's no need for Ron Rivera, who, you know, as a, you know, as, as someone of, of uh, Hispanic descent, a uh, Mexican descent, got his opportunity from the uh, defensive side of the ball. He played linebacker for the Chicago Bears, learned under Buddy uh, Ryan at the, the uh, defensive coordinator or was uh, taught or played under uh, Buddy Ryan, but um, you know, there, there's enough There's enough obstacles, there's enough bullshit, there's enough stupidity, there's enough ignorant reasons, there's enough ignorant excuses that folks use, that people justify on why minority head coaches cannot get a job. You know, we, we never see this with uh, offense, especially once again, um, there was a time if you were young, white, on an offensive side of the ball and were associated somehow to Sean McVay, you were going to be getting a head coaching job somewhere. Some of them, like Matt LaFleur, have worked out. Others have not. But the situation is from from the quote-unquote coaching tree, right? Sean McVay had a coaching tree. Um, Sean Payton had a coaching tree. And they were all from the offensive side of the ball, and all these guys just happened uh, to be white. So with 
Ron Rivera going out there talking about, well, you know, Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio was a coach, so because of that, uh, he's had the experience of uh, acquiescing and kind of fitting into what makes things work in terms of his personality, which players he needs to kick, which personalities he needs to love, which personalities he can scream at, which personalities work more if I'm going to, uh, how much can I cajole, how much do I need to um, uh, pat on the back, how much do I need to kick in the ass, and Bienemy doesn't have that skill yet, which is pretty surprising because I don't ever believe Bill Belichick ever being sweet and cuddly or trying to figure out which players I need to be sweet and cuddly and need to change my coaching style for. If you can't work with Bill Belichick, then you're no longer going to be on the New England Patriots. Now, Wendell, you could sit here and say, well, uh, okay, Bill Belichick has won how many Super Bowls and Eric Bienemy has won how many as a head coach? Thank you. But Bill Parcells had the same thing. He's in the Hall of Fame. So, the, so you know, there, there, there are coaches who are very successful who don't need to read the room to say, okay, which player do I need to be myself and which players do I not need to be myself? Eric Bieniemy knows, and he said this. He said, look, you know, my, my job is to get these guys to perform. I need to get these guys to do what they need to do. And if I need to... Um, use some strong language. If I need to raise my voice, Rivera was speaking about, hey man, I can hear that guy. You can hear that guy all over the practice field. And you got fans coming in with the kids and everything like that. And Eric Eric Bienemy is motherfucking everybody and goddamn this and Jesus Christ and that and motherfucking this and get the fuck out of here. That and he's screaming and he's doing that as loud as he can for the kids to hear that stuff. Oh my goodness gracious. So this, you know, players are starting to get concerned. I want to know which players are there. Because now you have Terry McLaurin, you have all these guys coming back and saying, oh, no, 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 not us. No, it wasn't me. No, I, I don't mind J- Jahan Dotson. No, 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 no. I like the teaching. I like the, uh, you know, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, when we do wrong, that he gets on our butts. I like that. That's, that, that's good. That's good. That's, that, that wasn't me. Somebody from the offensive side of the ball, I don't think it's what the offensive lineman Somebody from a skill position came up to Coach Rivera and said, Hey, look, could you get the enemy off our back? He's yelling at us too much. So basically, and I hate to say this, fellas, but, you know, basically, you're, you're looking like a bunch of bitches out there. You're looking like a bunch of uh, spineless punks out there in terms of, Oh, he's yelling at us, which reinforces the stereotype of the younger generation, you know, not wanting to work for anything and trying to think they know everything and they always think that they're right so oh my goodness gracious you're gonna help you're gonna hurt my self-esteem you're hurting my self-esteem if you yell at me oh you said something bad to me you're hurting my self-esteem i don't think so this that the other no i don't want to listen to you you're wrong i'm right younger generation and believe me dealing with the younger generation yeah, they do have that attitude a lot. They do have the, stop telling me the truth. I don't want to hear it. You're wrong. You're a bad guy. I don't want to hear Mr. Wallace talk about how, I don't want to hear Mr. Wallace. Uh, I, I'm, I'm mad at Mr. Wallace. I don't like Mr. Wallace because he made fun of me because when he asked me to name the capital of of the United States, I didn't know what it was. I'm mad at Mr. Wallace. He's a jerk. I don't like him because he thinks that I should know who John F. Kennedy was in terms of being the president of the United States. Or he should know, he thinks that I should know that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. Or he thinks that I should know that, um, <laughs> that Carson City is the capital of Nevada. Oh, I don't know. The state that I live in. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, 
I'm mad at him because he got upset or he started clowning me because when he asked me the trick question of which state is Florida in, I said Miami and then had a dumbfounded look when people were laughing at me because no, trick question. So, you know, my whole thing, and, and yes, those are true stories. Yikes. So basically what I'm saying is the younger generation doesn't like to be told what to do. The younger generation doesn't like it when you find out that they're wrong. When the younger generation, when you're telling them that, yeah, you know what, as a woman, even though you're not 18 yet, you probably kind of should look into Roe v. Wade. The decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Don't need for you guys to know every single um, detail about it, but it would be a pretty good idea if you could get your nose and your head and your brain out of TikTok and Instagram for just a quick second and kind of go farther than the five miles of the community that you live in and might try to investigate the importance of Roe v. Wade. Since you're a girl becoming a woman and these things are going to be affecting you and your children and generations for generations to come. Oh, but no, Mr. Wallace is the bad guy. Mr. Wallace doesn't know what he's talking about. Mr. Wallace is unreasonable. Mr. Wallace is this. Mr. Wallace is that. That's what Eric Bieniemy is going through, right? With some of these guys. Oh, you know, and, and here's, here's Washington, the commanders last year, who were what, 24th? 24th in, in offense? And, oh, I don't know, Bieniemy coaching this guy named Patrick Mahomes. Hmm. I, I would think. I would assume. I would have the assumption that you would want to be coached by a guy who's coaching one of the greatest, who's who, a quarterback who's going to go down if he continues on this path as one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played the game, a generational great. A, a, a guy who helped devise and plan and structure an offense that won two Super Bowls in the last four or five years. You, you, you think that a team like Washington, like the Commanders, who have had such struggles on the offensive end over the past couple of years, you, you, you think that would be pretty good, right? But like I said, I, I would love to figure out exactly who it was or which players came to um, came to Coach Rivera. We're speaking about, could you speak to EB because he is, he is being too rough on us. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, yeah. Sorry, I had to give up my soapbox there a little bit about the kids, but yeah, man. I mean, I mean, if if you don't know, if you don't know who John F. Kennedy was, and I don't need for you to know every single detail, but if you just can't tell me that the man was president of the United States and you're 16, 17, 18 years old, you got a problem. You got a problem. If you can't tell me who Abraham Lincoln was, or you know the fact that he was a president and some of the things that he did, like oh, I don't know, maybe the Emancipation Proclamation. Don't even tell me what that. You don't even need to explain to me what it is. But somehow, some way freeing slaves, this, that, and the other, should, should come into your vocabulary. So if, if you can't tell me that, and you can't name me which uh, state that Chicago is in, or Pittsburgh, or if you can't tell me the capital of the United States is Washington, D.C., or anything like that, uh, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. You can get mad at me all you want to. Uh, that, that's a you problem. Maybe, again, you need to kind of start expanding your horizon and learning a little bit more. Don't blame the school system. Don't blame your parents. Look in the mirror and blame yourself. See, starting in adulthood, maturity, that's one of the things you need to start doing. Looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, hmm, you know what? Maybe I don't have all the answers, but I digress. That's a thing that we've all been through in our years. That's all part of growing up. I was the same way when I was their age, even though I wasn't, I mean, I knew who Abraham Lincoln was. I knew who John F. Kennedy was. 
and I kind of knew what was going on in the world. I couldn't give you a real intelligent, um, you know, thoughts and opinions about it. But yeah, Reagan getting shot. Yeah, Iran, high gas prices. Yeah, all that stuff. OJ. Yeah, I kind of had an idea of what was going on. So, hmm. And I didn't have the internet. And I didn't have cell phones. And I didn't have TikTok. And I didn't have social media. I didn't have any of that stuff. So, hmm. Interesting, interesting what happens like that. All right, college football is upon us. Regular season starts in less than two weeks. I'm going to go down and talk about the top 15 schools. The AP top 15 schools are out. And Dion, Coach Prime, back in the news again, talking about, hey, man, there's a reason why I had to uh, let about 50-something players go from a team that won one in 11. And now he's getting some blowback from another coach and uh, all that good stuff. I'm going to tell you why I'm down with Dion, but be careful, Dion. Be careful. There's so many things. There's so many elements into this. Not just you getting rid of a, of a bunch of players, but your bravado, skin color, all that stuff is going to come into play. So I'll discuss that in the top 15 in uh, college football. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Yes, the capital of Florida is Miami. <laughs> I was like, woo, Lord have mercy. I'm not going to even get into the point where, I mean, you had to educate these folks on, how was, how was I in a geometry class educating folks on, yeah, Lorraine Motel, this is where Martin Luther King was shot. Let me tell you that story. Yes, Lee Harvey Oswald shooting JFK and then Jack Ruby killing Lee Harvey Oswald. Let me explain to you about that. Uh, Roe v. Wade, this is the reason why it's important to you. Let me explain to you about that. Lord have mercy. I hope somebody in the Clark County School District, I hope somebody in the state of Florida, I hope somebody with these kids are explaining to them that, nah man, slavery, not good. There was nothing. There was nothing good for those who are listening to this podcast who have children under the age of oh I don't know depending upon where you live eighteen seventeen sixteen um, slavery not good slavery not good at all just like I'm quite sure people who survived the Holocaust I'm quite sure they learned a skill also they learned survival doesn't mean that it was a good thing there was nothing good about slavery as Van Jones said if somebody came up and said Hey, guess what? You know what? My piano teacher molested me as a kid, but despite the fact that you ruined my life because of that, at least I learned how to play the piano. Hey, Larry Nasser, yeah, you know what? He um 
he uh, did some bad things to those girls, but hey, you know what? They did win a gold medal, so it wasn't all bad. Stop with the stupidity. Stop with the nonsense. Stop with the, well, we'll just go ahead and go with this nonsense because A, we're stupid. A, we're we're uneducated. And B, we'll have an opportunity to get under the skin of the liberals. We'll own the libs. Stop with your stupidity. Stop with your nonsense. I don't even know how I got on that rant. I just wanted to get that out of my system. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. (laughs) I don't even know. Where did that come from, man? How about this? I'll even it up for you. Floyd Mayweather Jr., you're a punk. How about that? So we're even. Wendell's World of Sports. I don't know where I'm going. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. And yes, just because I speak with articulation and intelligence doesn't mean that I'm white. It means that I'm just as black as the Negro sitting on the corner who ain't got a job, who ain't nothing, who ain't about nothing, going nowhere and ain't paying child support. All right, now we're even. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad. Take that, black community. Uh, Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be listening to us if you still are after that. Um, Let me get into college football. Top 15. They came out already. Uh, Let me see, let me see. Number one is Georgia. I have it here somewhere in my notes. I have it here somewhere on my notes. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Because I'm speaking about, let me, let me do this first. Let me start talking about college football less than two weeks away. Starts on the 26th of August. Um, games of interest. The first week you got Notre Dame. These are some of these games that you're going to be watching. If you're jonesing, if you're fiending for some football, don't worry about, don't worry about the NFL preseason. Watch some of these games. Watch Navy versus Notre Dame. Watch Ohio versus San Diego State. Two teams, when we, once we start rocking and rolling, you're not going to watch. Watch San Jose State versus USC. Then on Thursday, the 31st of August, watch Minnesota and Nebraska. Two other teams that you won't be watching unless you're from that region with your man P.J. Fleck. Did you hear this nonsense? I'll get back to the schedule in just a second. I, I just want to uh, throw this out to you. Did you hear this nonsense about P.J. Fleck? About some of the stuff that he does? Some of these, the culture that he has with the Minnesota Golden Gophers football program? The fact the acronym of family, F-A-M-I-L-Y. It's family, forget about me, I love you. That's what it means. Forget about me. So we're family. Family means forget about me, I love you. And when PJ asks a player, how are you feeling? He has to say elite. He can't say I'm doing all right. I'm doing great. Doing wonderful. No, 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 no. He has to say elite. <laughs> the how did this? Okay. It, it, you know, it, it was interesting. It was interesting to learn some of that stuff. And he's got some more of that nonsense going on. But family, it's not about me. I love you. Okay. So Nebraska, Minnesota, that's going to be on Thursday. August um, 31st. Then you got Florida and Utah. That's going to be interesting because Florida is going to have a new quarterback. I think the transfer from Wisconsin uh, is going to be starting for them against Utah, a team that's going to be in the top 15 in their last year of the uh, Pac-12. You got on Friday, September 1st, you got Central Michigan versus Michigan State. I want to see if Mel Tucker can rebound from the disaster, which was year two. As he signed that, what, seven-year, $93 million contract? Woo! Oh, it must be wonderful to have big money donors 
who want to spend that money because they can't buy a pro team. Um, Louisville versus Georgia Tech. That game will be interesting. Um, then you've got, uh, and that's when the uh, season will start. September 2nd, Labor Day weekend. That's when the season starts in earnest. I think the best game of that weekend is going to be Monday. That Monday where it's going to be LSU versus Florida State. So the top 15 teams in the preseason rankings by the Associated Press. The number one team, of course, is Georgia. Then you have Michigan, Jim Harbaugh escaping that four-game suspension. Number three is Alabama. I think that's based more on reputation than anything else. Ohio State, number four. They might have the best player in college football with Marvin Harrison Jr. LSU, year two of Brian Kelly. USC coming in at number six, Lincoln Riley in his second year with the Trojans. Number seven, James Franklin's Penn State Nittany Lions. They'll be... Finally, the um, oh, that quarterback for them who seemed like he was playing football for that squad for like 15 years. Sean Clifford, I believe, is no longer there. So we'll see what happens. Florida State, the resurgence of that program is uh, still going on. They are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. They're ranked number 8. Clemson, number 9, trying to rebound from for what they are, for what their standard has been a disappointing season. Last year, they're at number 9. Number 10, Tennessee. Uh, is back in the mix. Washington with Michael Penix Jr., a Heisman Trophy candidate. The quarterback could be the number one quarterback taken in the NFL draft. Washington is in the uh, top 10 or top 11. Then you have Texas, Notre Dame, Utah, and Oregon. So number one is Georgia. Number two is Michigan. Number three is Ohio State. Number four, Ohio State. Number five, LSU. Number six, USC. Number seven, Penn State. Number eight, Florida State. Number nine, Clemson. Number 10, Tennessee. Number 11, Washington. Number 12, Texas. Number 13, Notre Dame. Number 14, Oregon. And number 15, Utah is number 14. And number 15 is Oregon. I look at some of these. I look at some of these schools. Hey, is is Alabama going to get themselves a quarterback? Uh, they lost Will Anderson. They lost uh, Bryce Young. They lost Jameer Gibbs. Um, we don't know about the, uh, I'm quite sure that the, um, the wide receiver, they're going to be talented, but how experienced are they going to be, especially when you're spitting in a new quarterback? And which one of those quarterbacks is it going to be? Is it going to be the transfer from Notre Dame? Is it going to be um, uh, Milrow, um, the uh, quarterback who started against Texas A&M when Bryce Young went down? Is it going to be Ty Simpson, one of their highly recruited um, quarterbacks? Is he going to get an opportunity? Um, how are they going to mesh? with um, um, the uh, offensive coordinator from Notre Dame coming over to uh, run the plays or run the offense. Nick Saban has been very impressed with him. So, but I, I, I'm, just, I'm just interested to see. I mean, Alabama underachieved, would you say? I mean, for the talent that they have, wouldn't you say that they would that they underachieved um, last season? And I, and I know the expectation for Alabama is winning a national championship, but... Uh, for the most part, they were out of it a lot sooner than most of the times when Alabama didn't even win a championship. And now with the ascension of Georgia being that team that's in the catbird seat in terms of the expectation of championship or bust, especially if you take a look at the schedule that Georgia has, what does that say for Alabama moving forward? What does that say for 71-year-old Nick Saban moving forward? What does it say for the SEC in general? So it'll be interesting. Georgia replacing their quarterback. One thing about that is when people are speaking about, well, how are they going to replace 
someone uh, like a Stetson Bennett. The one thing about Georgia, and the one thing about Kirby Smart being the coach of Georgia, he's always a guy that relied on a running game, and he relied on that defense. Um, Stetson Bennett, especially when he first started before his final year, uh, where he became one of the finalists as a uh, Heisman Trophy candidate, albeit at the age of 47 years old. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but, um, you know, this was a team in Georgia that doesn't rely on the supernova quarterback. Uh, this is a team in Georgia, and Kirby Smart and its philosophy is not the type of coach or have the philosophy of where we need to score 35, 42 points and throw the ball all over the yard to win the football game. He's been He's proven as a coach that he can win a game by just having a quote-unquote game manager do so. So it will be interesting to see moving forward in terms of the storylines, one of the storylines in terms of who's going to replace Stetson Bennett doesn't really make any difference as long with the talent that's surrounding him, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but as far as defense is concerned, it's just going to be a matter of don't screw things up and we'll be fine. So Ohio State bringing in a new quarterback, um, you know, LSU, how much of a jump that they're going to make. Um, they got a lot of cachet. They got a lot of momentum. They got a lot of eye openings from that victory over Alabama last year. And we all know Brian Kelly is one of the elite coaches in college football. And now with a year under his belt, not only at the coach of LSU, but also um, having a recruiting cycle to go through to get some players in, not only as far as recruits, high school, but also transfers. We'll see what happens with that. Texas being ranked that high? Man, that's putting a lot of pressure on Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers didn't do anything for me last year. He had one good half against Alabama, but for the most part, he underachieved. Especially if you're speaking about the Quinn Ewers that was, as a junior in high school, playing football in Texas, high school football in Texas. I mean, this was a guy who was supposed to be the next... Up and coming. This was supposed to be the guy that was going to win a couple of Heisman trophies and move on to the uh, NFL and, and tear that league apart. He was going to be the, the the next Trevor Lawrence. He was going to be that next guy. Well, he went to Ohio State. He didn't get any time there, so he transferred over to uh, Texas. And his first year was inconsistent and up and down. Now there's talk and speculation that Arch Manning uh, might be in the uh, might be in the wings, waiting to take his place. So if that's going to be the situation after losing B. John Robinson, you're going to have Texas ranked that high? Interesting. Notre Dame, they lose their offensive coordinator. Their offense, their um, quarterback play was um, underwhelming, to say the most inconsistent uh, last year under Marcus Freeman in his first year. Are you sure you're going to put uh, Notre Dame that high? though? So those are some of the things that I'll be watching I'm moving forward, and I'll be speaking about a little bit more as we get closer to the um, NFL, uh, the uh, college football season, and that starts. But here, here's one of the more interesting storylines that I want to talk about because, you know, Deion Sanders turning over, what's going on, what's happening in Colorado. This is going to be the biggest... This is going to be... The, the, the spotlight is on Deion, right where Deion wants it. The one thing that scares me about Sanders, the one thing that concerns me about Sanders, the one thing that I have trepidation about when it comes to Sanders is I don't like guys who it's all about themselves. And I know Sanders has talked about, I love my team and my team, my team, but it's always with Sanders. It's always with a me and an I, isn't it? I needed to do this. I need to do that. I, 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 Dion has a lot of, I mean, every time, every time we, we talk about Colorado, 
is always about Deion Sanders, right? Outside of his son who plays quarterback and outside of Travis Hunter, who followed him from uh, Jackson State, one of the more highly coveted high school prospects who decided to go to Jackson State after he decommitted from Florida State and everybody was talking about how in the hell did that happen and this, that, and the other, and why is this highly recruited player going to an HBCU school? But we know why, because of Dion, and then Dion goes from Jackson State to Colorado, and Hunter uh, follows him. But for the most part, do you know anybody else on Colorado's roster? Do you know anybody else? Because all I'm hearing is Dion, 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 Dion. And Dion isn't talking about any of his players. All Dion is talking about is himself. So when a guy who has an ego that big of Sanders, is he going to be one of these guys where he's talking about, I need to win, I win at everything, I don't accept losing and all this kind of stuff? Is it going to be a situation where you take a look, you take a look at the first couple of games that um, Colorado's going to play. Their first five games are against TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, Oregon, and USC. And we're going to know a lot. The first test for Sanders in Colorado, how this is going to go in the beginning, is going to take place that two-game stretch against Oregon and USC. Because let's just say, for instance, that Colorado comes into that game one and two goes comes into the Oregon game one one and two and Oregon blows them out then they go to USC or they play USC and USC blows them out now they're sitting there what two and three or you know the, 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 the one and four or whatever is Dion gonna start doing the hey man don't blame me it's the players we have the wrong players it's not about me I'm not failing these kids I'm not doing this. I'm not. It's all about it's, it's about the players. So I'm just going to be interested to see if Dion's going to take that tech. I don't know if he is, but I can guarantee you one thing. I don't think they have a chance in hell against Oregon or USC. Most of the projections for Colorado this season, if they can get the three wins, then that would be damn near close to a miracle because they were 1-11 last year, and that was one of the worst teams in college football in the past two or three or five years. So, okay, Dion comes in. 51 new players. Um, one of the coaches was speaking about, well, I, you know, I, I don't know what he's doing. I wouldn't do that, this, that, and the other. That's not the way to run college football. Uh, Pat, Nar- uh, Pat Narduzzi, um, you know, and uh, for, for Pittsburgh. Now, I, I don't know as far as the coach for Pittsburgh. Do they have Colorado on the roster? Is Colorado going to be going to their conference? Does Pittsburgh and Colorado play at, at any time? in the near future, so I don't know where Narduzzi is up there talking about something like this, but uh, what he said to uh, Brandon Marcello at the ACC meetings when he was speaking about, you know, Sanders bringing in all these players, that's not the way it's meant to be, that's not what the transfer portal rule intended to be, it was not to overhaul your roster, we'll see how it works out, but that, but uh, work out, but that to me 
looks bad on college football coaches across the country. Yes, you know, coaches going into a player's room or going into the parents' uh, parents' houses when they're recruiting them and saying, yes, I will be there the entire time. My main deal is to take your son and turn him into a man and teach him this and make sure he goes to class and I'll be his number one fan and I'll be his number one critic. And my main deal with him is to make him a man and all this kind of stuff. But of course, the coach is using this player. The coach is using this recruit. The coach is using this four or five talent because he wants to go to another school where he can make more money or he wants to win more games so he can leverage his university to give him more money so when these coaches come into these to these parents these recruits houses and they say all this stuff for the most part it's absolute bullshit because first and foremost these coaches are are, are number one thinking about themselves so so it's interesting that narduzzi is going to go ahead and say that and talking about it makes college football look bad when you have a whole bunch of transfers, but it doesn't look bad when coaches can just go wherever they want to and not sit out or not do anything and still make millions upon millions of dollars based upon the work of the players that put him in the position because of their talent and skill to get to where he can have that opportunity. The reflection is on one guy right now, but when you look at it overall, these kids that have moms and dads and brothers and sisters and goals of life, I don't know how many of those 70 that left really wanted to leave or were kicked in the butt to get out. Coach, you have kicked some players out of your program. It is not because of grades. It's not because of what they did. It's not because they were bad people. Um, I'm quite sure every football coach, especially when you're speaking about coaches in the Power five conferences, they have kicked players out of their program because we just don't have any room for you. I'm glad that you're close to home. I'm glad that you have a girlfriend that you love that goes to school here. I'm glad that you enjoy the classes. I'm glad that you enjoy the professors. I'm glad that you enjoy everything about the university and such. But if you want to play football, you're not going to be able to do it here because we over-recruited you and we brought in someone who's better. And I need to win. And I don't care if you have a strong grade point average. I don't care if you're doing work in the community. I don't care about any of that stuff. I need to win football games. You're not going to be able to help me win football games to the degree that I want to win football games. So you're going to have to go somewhere else or you're just not going to play football. Now, I can help you wherever you want to go, but you're not going to be playing football at this school anymore. Coaches in the Power Five conferences do that time and time and time and time and time again. So when these coaches like Narduzzi and everything talk about how horrible and terrible it is that Sanders had to kick out something, you know, all these players, a lot of these players also leave because their moms and their dads and their nieces and their nephews and their grandparents and their cousins and all this kind of stuff say that, you know, the coach is treating you wrong. You need to go somewhere else and play and you're in the wrong system and he doesn't know how to use you correctly and all this kind of nonsense. So there's so many other things that go into why a player transfers. I'm quite sure there were multitude of reasons why so many players from Colorado had to transfer. Were a lot of them because Sanders just said, hey, look, you're no good and uh, you got to go get out? I'm quite sure there was. But that happens. That's college football. College football is a billion-dollar business. College football is the lifeblood for a lot of these communities, a lot of these towns, in some instances, a lot of these regions in this country that we live in. So, you know, I I don't want to hear Narduzzi talk about that nonsense. Uh, Let me see. He goes on. When I got... When I got the pit in 2015, I didn't kick anybody off. Zero. Those are your guys. When you become a head coach, 
You inherit that team. You coach that team. If someone wants to leave, that's great. You don't kick them out. I disagree with the whole process. That's not why I got into the game. The year that Narduzzi went to Pittsburgh in 2015, the year before, Pittsburgh was 6-7. and seven. They weren't 1-11. So another kind of difference that he didn't uh, that, that, that he didn't mention when, when speaking about that. So, look, Sanders was talking about, hey, look, man, I looked at these guys in the eyes and I just didn't see it. Some of the reasons why that um, he said that on Friday at a press conference, you know, you brought in 51 players, kicked out Alex. You know, he's like, that's tough. I didn't come in there. I didn't enjoy that. It wasn't like, oh, this is wonderful. This is awesome. This wasn't this wasn't me. If you got if you gave me the power to um, 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 be the uh, mayor or governor of Los Angeles and I put back in the death penalty and I see 757 death row inmates on California and San Quentin on death row. I, I, Sanders didn't have the joy I would to say about four or five hundred of them are going to be dead by the end of the week. I mean, it's not a situation like that. I'm quite sure that he was um, he was heartbroken. A lot of instances to uh, have those players go, but he's coming in with expectations. He's coming in with hopes and dreams. He's coming in um, as far as the uh, community is concerned to try to pull a, a miracle and pull that football program around. And you're not going to do that if you don't have any talent. Hell, I learned that by watching Georgetown University the year that Patrick Ewing went 5-25. and 25. And I had to watch guys who had no business playing in the um, Big East. You know, I had to watch these guys get slaughtered and get beat and get humiliated and get embarrassed against Villanova and Seton Hall and Connecticut because the talent level was such a disparity that I don't, I don't care what Colin Holloway was as a human being. I don't care about, you know, um, uh, Ty Bird. I don't care about any of the Tyler Beard. I don't care about any of these guys. They weren't good enough to play in the Big East. Oops, my bad. Let me go ahead and correct that and bring in more talent. Now, it didn't work again because Georgetown went 6-25, and 25, but the bottom line is like, and he got Patrick Ewing fired, but the, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, we, we don't care about that nonsense. We want to win. You need to win. We need to win. And it's nice that those guys might be good guys, great guys, wonderful guys, but that's not my team. That was the mess that was <coughs> that was left over from the previous regime. And since we don't, my job description isn't going to be um, my my. Um, I'm not going to be graded on how well of a job I do as a football coach. That's not going to be based on what the team's overall GPA is. It's not going to be on how many, um, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Rose Scholars that I produce. It's not going to be how many players that I have on my football team help old ladies across the street and get cats from um, from from trees. It doesn't matter how many players do that. If I don't win, I don't have a job. And these players aren't going to help me win, so I need to get more players in here so I can keep my job security, so I can keep making the five six million dollars that uh, I'm guaranteed or that I um, signed up for. So. Yeah, man, Dion was speaking about they've got dead eyes and look like they didn't want to play football. I can't turn that around. He can't turn that around. And when you're 1-11, it's more than just attitude. It's not like Colorado went 1-11 because these guys didn't want to play football and they had bad attitudes and they didn't love the game anymore. They didn't love the game anymore because they found out that they weren't good enough to be playing at a high level of football. They weren't good enough to be competing against the Power 5 schools, the other Power 5 schools in football. And if you're going out there and getting embarrassed and you're going out there and getting beaten and you know going into the week of a game that you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to get beaten you're going to get humiliated in front of your family and friends and girls that you're looking to have sex with co-ed that you're looking to bang and have sex with after the game and now that's taken away from you because you have no shot of winning 
Yeah, that's going to take some of the wind out of your sails. Yeah, it's going to uh, lessen the joy and excitement that you have for playing football. So maybe a lot of these guys just needed to go down to a lower level of, of football and uh, regain their joy and their love and their passion and dedication to the sport down there. So, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, I'm going to end the program like this after I boogie. The NBA All-Star, I'm sorry, the NBA Hall of Fame uh, happened this weekend. And uh, one of my favorite people, I've never met the guy, would love to meet the guy. I, w- I would love to sit down. I don't drink wine, but I would um, I would trust him enough to say, you know, when it comes to wine, I know nothing. Uh, would you mind ordering for me, whatever it is? And let's just sit down. Let's just talk about basketball. Let's just talk about life. Let's just talk about everything. One of my favorite people in the world, still living, who I've never met, will probably never meet, but man, it would be great to meet. I will tell you who that person is, who was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame and speak about the weekend very quickly after I get down and boogie here on Wendell's World and Sports. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program, welcome to Wendell's World of Sports, thank you so much for listening to the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. That word, thought-provoking, that phrase, thought-provoking, it can mean so many things. It can mean thought-provoking in terms of you saying, this guy is a fucking idiot, what is he talking about? Or he could say... Brothers deep. Either way, as long as you're listening, thank you so much. Um, I want to end with this. Coach Popovich, my man, Greg Popovich, was inducted into the um, Hall of Fame. Um, the Hall of Fame class included um, Popovich, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Davisky, Paul Gasol, Tony Parker, Becky Hammond. Um, watched the ceremony. Um, all really excellent um, speeches. Davisky is, I, I think this is one of the better. Hall of Fame classes that are going in. When you speak about the accomplishments of such people as Dirk Nowitzki, who, if he's not the greatest European player who's ever played uh, in the NBA, he's going to be top one or two or three. Now, in five or ten years, we might revisit that uh, argument and say that Jokic and Luka has passed them. But, you know, Dirk paved the way. I mean, he was truly the trailblazer, along with guys like Sharunas, Marcelonis, and others, to uh, uh, Drazen Petrovic and others uh, for the European basketball players. Arvidas Sabonis, when he came in from Portland after years of playing overseas and his knees weren't the same as they were and his mobility wasn't the same that he that, that it was back in his heyday, but still, he was a strong force for the uh, Portland Trailblazers for a few years, gave Shaq more of uh, problems than most of the uh, big men did 
at that time. But, uh, you know, Nowitzki is part of that group that really paved the way. He's a pioneer, along with Manu Ginobili and others, Tony Parker, Paul Gasol. All these guys were pioneers. So when you're speaking about the Hall of Fame class, that included the European uh, players like Gasol and Tony Parker and Dirk Nowitzki. We're, We're speaking about pioneers of the game. And when you have that, that is really special. Dwayne Wade, um, you know, him getting into the Hall of Fame. I thought it was a nice gesture. And I think for, for, for what you want to say about Dwayne Wade, let me tell you something, man. If you if you read his story, his backstory, the fact that he still loves his mom and his dad, it's a better man than me. Now, luckily for me, I, I, I've never had my mom uh, choose me over addiction for a long time before finally getting cleaned up and coming back into my life well after I was established. Uh, but um, I don't know how I would react but uh, for Dwayne Wade to really care and love about his mom and dad like he has, um, that's great. His first wife might uh, might dispute the fact of how great of a, of a man that he is. But uh, hey, man, you know, in the totality of him, I think uh, from the outside looking in of what I do know of Dwayne Wade, uh, really, really a stand-up stand up guy. Really a good guy from, from what I can see. So, yeah, it was a Hall of Fame class that was uh, really good. And again, when you speak about Popovich, five-time NBA champion, all-time winningest NBA coach, 22 straight playoff appearances. One of the reasons why I love the game of basketball so much. Look, man, as players, when you're speaking about the reasons, my foundation, my DNA, the reason why I became a basketball fan, the reason why I became an NBA fan, the reason why I love basketball, the reason why I curse myself, the reason why I get kind of depressed to the fact that I can't go out pick up a basketball to go to a court, go to a gym and go out there and play one-on-one or go, um, you know, get some guys and go play 21 or run five on five full court. The reasons why I lament and the reasons why I uh, get melancholy about, about those things. When I think about it, the reason why I love the game so much and miss it so much in terms of playing is concerned, just shooting is concerned. It's because of guys like Magic Johnson and Len Bias, and Albert King, and Adrian Branch, and Bernard King, and Adrian Dantley, and James Worthy, Bob McAdoo, Reggie Williams. Those were my heroes. Those were my guys growing up as far as basketball is concerned. Why basketball became my favorite sport. Byron Scott, the reason why basketball became my favorite sport. Buck Williams, basketball became my favorite sport. Michael Jackson, Horace Brognex, Reggie Williams, David Wingate, Georgetown basketball. That's the reason why I love the game of basketball so much. Coaches, Lefty Giselle, John Thompson. John Thompson, the guy who I dreamed of playing for, but unfortunately didn't have the talent, skill, or anything to play for Coach Thompson. But uh, I went to the Lefty Giselle 1978-79 basketball camp. Still have somewhere in my house, somewhere, John Lucas's autograph uh, when I was a young kid going there, the overnight camp. So those are the coaches, those are the players that, you know, formed me, built, built that foundation for me to uh, love the game of basketball. But now moving forward, you know, it's Greg Popovich. Because, of course, you love the game as an adult much differently than um, as you loved it as a child. And Greg Popovich, to me, I mean, he's such a, he's such a you know, he's such a, Bob Hill might disagree with me, but, you know, Greg Popovich is such an exceptional human being from the outside looking in. You know, and we're speaking about, you know, we have a presidential election coming up and we have half the country who are blinded enough, who are ignorant enough, who are dumb enough, who are uneducated enough to uh, 
throw their hat behind a liar and a cheater and a convict, allegedly. It's like, man, where, where are the great Popoviches of the world, you know? We speak about, I went to church a couple of weeks ago, and the guy was speaking about, the reverend was speaking about, you know, we don't need a Democrat in our life. We don't need a Republican in our life. We need Jesus in our life. And I'm like, no. Oh. If you put Jesus down here in this world, in this society, half the people wouldn't like the decisions that he made uh, if, if that were the case. Well, what, what we need is a great Popovich in our life, just our everyday lives. Humble, exceptional, the way that he affects people. I mean, I think that's the way we should all live our lives, man. You know, especially when you're speaking about the older generation, especially when you're speaking about um, my generation, those who are over the age of 40, those who are you know, over the age of 50 and 60s, man, we, we have enough wisdom that we can bring it down and try to teach the younger generation. You know, those who have love on our hearts, those who have knowledge, those who care, those who have compassion, those who, you know, want to see the development of the next generation that's going to be taking care of us when we're too old to, to do so. I mean, we, we can learn some lessons from Coach Popovich, and I try my best. I mean, when we're speaking about, when I'm speaking about, you know, what, what I try to um, press upon the way that I did it, did it my own self, but I mean, that was influenced by Coach Popovich. Um, the way he did things, the way that he built relationships, the way that uh, his players think about him. Uh, like you mentioned before at the Hall of, Spain, Hall of Fame speech, hey man, you know, it, it's not about X's and O's. You know, those are nothing. It, it, I mean, what, what makes a great coach? What makes a great leader? What makes uh, someone like that? It's not about, you know, X's and O's, right? It's about two things. It's about the relationships that you build and the talent that you have. You know, no one's going to come up with a new pick and roll player. No one's going to come up with a new everything as far as winning basketball, as far as the fundamentals of basketball has already been invented. Right. I mean, the rules aren't going to allow for anything else. The rules aren't going to allow for seven people to be on the court. The rules aren't going to allow for power plays. The rules aren't going to be allowed for more free throws. The, the rules aren't going to be allowed for less defense. The rules, the fundamental foundation of basketball is set. So plays and running plays and out-of-bound plays and pick-and-roll plays and set plays and horns and Iversons and all the other plays in college and pros, fast break, Rick Pitino-style basketball, big man, twin towers, three-point shooting, five guards on the court, fast break, half court, everything associated with that has already been done to death. There's nothing new. There's no more blood in that stone that could be pulled that's going to fool anybody else. The only two things that really matter, number one is the talent. Your Jimmys and Joes are always going to beat X's and O's. And the trust and the relationship that you have in that team. It's a, it's, it, it's a um, commutative thing. You know, we, we're, we're all in this together. And the way Popovich has expressed that, the way Popovich has preached that, not by words, but by deeds and examples. The guy's awesome, man. The guy is absolutely awesome. I, I would love, just absolutely love, of all of the athletes, of all of anybody in the, in the sports world, who I would just love to sit and just talk about life and sports and philosophy and all that kind of stuff. Two players, Magic Johnson, who's my childhood idol. And so I don't know if, if sitting next to Magic, I don't even know if I could get two words in there. Um, I'd just probably be staring there with my mouth open, drooling. And he'd be like, can someone get this 
Can someone get this clown away from me? Magic Johnson, if you follow him on Instagram, Magic Johnson lived the life I dream of. <laughs> just, I, I, I dream. I look at Magic Johnson's Instagram and I just dream. I just dream saying, if I could live a perfect life, that would be it. If I could live a life like him, that would be it. And yeah, it has pains and strife and all those type of things. It has challenges and it has bad times and it has all those things. I know every day in Magic Johnson's life is not the greatest. It's not rosy. It's not perfect. I get all that. I understand that. But man, I would love to live his life. Woo! I would love to live his life. So Magic is one, but Greg Popovich would be the other. Just I just want to go to dinner with him and just talk about everything, man. Talk about the younger generation. Talk about leadership. Talk about the future. Talk about basketball. Talk about politics. Talk about race relations. Talk about, uh, you know, gay and lesbian rights. Talk about everything, man. Talk about poverty. Talk about everything. Talk about everything under the sun with him. Talk to him until he probably say, check, please. I can't take this stupid son of a bitch anymore. I got to get out of here. But, uh, yeah, Coach Popovich, congratulations. Well earned. Um, you're my hero. So there you go. In terms of, in terms of uh, basketball coaches and what it brings today in that realm. Want to thank everybody for listening to my podcast. Went over a little bit, but that's okay. Hope that you can download, subscribe, rate, review again. Happy birthday to the wonderful, to the beautiful, to the fabulous, to the awesome, the my, my entire heart. I don't have any kids, but um, she's my favorite man. She is just. She is just everything. She's my life. She's my world. She's my everything. Uh, Sydney Davis, my wonderful, beautiful, awesome, fabulous uh, goddaughter. Love you more than words could ever say. And always, 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 no matter what you do, I've always got your back. I'll always be in your corner. I'll always believe in you. You are, you are just the greatest. So um, this ending... The music is going to be dedicated to you on your 25th birthday. Wendell's World of Sports. Happy birthday, Sydney. You're the greatest. Get me out of here with some music. Because our hearts tell us something.